Welcome everybody to episode number 11 of the Per Sources Show. As always, I'm Nick Armitage, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Brendan Reesing. Brendan, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, Nick. Excited for tonight's show. We are packed. NBA All-Star Weekend, always a good time. Getting in the swing of things. Um, but I want to get straight into it with this. Uh, we hear about the Los Angeles Lakers every single day with a new piece of drama seeming to intoxicate the franchise. Landing LeBron James has been the biggest piece to L.A. since Kobe won his fifth ring in 2010. You would think with the most famous athlete in America on your team that a play, playoff run would be inevitable. But currently sitting at 10th in the Western Conference and a record of 28-29, and 29, the future isn't looking so bright for the King. It's been the worst start to a season in LeBron James' career. And with the young, struggling talent they have, that record might not get better. Trade deadline rumors seem to give a punch in the gut to the younger squad. And with the fan base wanting Luke Walton out, it isn't helping developing Kuzma, Ball, and Ingram. Knowing LeBron and his abilities down the stretch, you can assume we'll find a way to get his team to the postseason. But how far can they make it? Is the Western Conference Finals even an appropriate goal? But more importantly, with a four-year contract and on his back none of the career, the Lakers front office can't seem to land any big stars. Magic Johnson, when he took the job, promised to turn the franchise around and get the stars they needed to get back atop the NBA. And that promise hasn't necessarily been fulfilled. So who or what is the nucleus of the Lakers' internal issues? Magic, Walton, LeBron, or the young supporting cast? I mean, Magic is the one who's tampering and, lo- and somewhat losing relationships with other general managers around the league, limiting the Lakers to get stars. Whereas the Walton, on the other hand, making very bizarre bench moves that don't really make any sense during the games. Or is it the players? Is LeBron giving up at this point in the season? Or is it Kuzman, Ball, and Ingram uh, losing any belief in themselves anymore, considering all they could have, um, considering they all could have been traded uh, so nonchalantly a week and a half ago? With a big offseason filled with stars wrapping up their current contracts, will this be LA's big break? Will KD leave? Is signing AD in the offseason still a possibility? With Kyrie seeming to want out, who knows anymore? We can only hope to see this dysfunctional team unite as one because the league is better when the Lakers are contenders. Yeah, Brent, I think it's a good take. I mean, I think we can all agree that the NBA is for sure better when LeBron's playing, you know, for an actual contender. But uh, let's go ahead and introduce our guest for tonight. Guys, tonight we have a, a very, very special episode. Welcoming now to the Per Sources show is Fred Siegel, the creator of one of the best accounts on Twitter, Freezing Cold Takes. You can follow him on Twitter, at Old Takes Exposed. Fred, thanks so much for joining us, man, and how's it going? It's going great, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, man, our pleasure. Uh, just quickly, can you explain to us how the uh, the account on Twitter really started? Yeah, sure. Uh Freezing Cold Takes, I started it probably three and a half years ago. Uh, I was just a random follower on Twitter of sports accounts. I used it to gather my sports news. And what happened was I used to notice that all these uh, journalists and sports writers, they used to talk about certain things and say, make certain takes. And, and then I would remember them in my head when they got it wrong. And uh, then they'd start posting takes that they got right. They'd quote, tweet it. They'd say, well, just like I predicted five days ago, this happened. And I realized that nobody was calling it out for their previous takes. So I, I was pretty good at Twitter's search function. And I just decided I was going to make an account. I didn't expect it to become a big account. I probably was just doing it to troll mess around with everybody for a little bit. Right, right. But uh, it, it turned out to be much bigger than I thought. 
Yeah, man, it's it's an it's an awesome Twitter account. But uh, let's jump back into Brennan's opening take uh, about the Lakers. Fred, what are your thoughts on the situation just in general in L.A.? I think this season seems like kind of a lost cause. But what used to happen was that LeBron would, you know, every year, at least when they were in Cleveland, they'd struggle. It was a struggling point. Yeah. Everyone would speculate whether they were going to be good or bad this year. And um, what happened was, is that he'd always get it all together with the East. And the East is pretty bad. Uh, but this time, it's not the same. I mean, they're in the West. If they were in the East with the same team, I think people would still say, first of all, they'd have a better record team. You're playing a lot more Eastern Conference teams. They don't have a great record, but they'd have a better one. And I think that there would be a lot more speculation, less speculation about what would happen with them, and people would still think that he was making finals anyway. But... Now that they're in the West, it kind of seems like a lost cause. But I think that LeBron's going to get his guys to come in there. He's going to get some players that he wants by next season. And they'll make the playoffs this year. But um, it, just, it just doesn't seem like something that that is very LeBron-like to go into this without coming out with something at least productive by the end of the time in L.A. Now, it's going to be a lot harder to win a title, but you got to... I think that, like, <laughs> if Golden State uh, kind of breaks up after this year, uh, or at least they lose KD, it'll be a lot more wide open in the West. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah, keep going. You finish going. Yeah, so uh, I think by next season, LeBron will have a lot more better of a chance to – he'll have stepped everything up. During the regular season, there's always issues, uh, at least when they were in Cleveland. So, this is, this is, this is, but the, the issues have been a lot worse now because he got hurt and he's in the West. So, he usually picks it up by playoff time. And I think people, a lot of people forget how much more intense the playoff is and how different it is in the regular season. Right. Um, I, I just, every year, I think we always forget that. During the middle of the season, it just—it's a totally different game. Like with James Harden, he's always now James Harden uh, has the ability to dominate the playoffs, but he's not going to dominate the playoffs like he does in the regular season, where it's just not as intense. And his offense is, is able to—he's able to score offensively at will. It's a lot more intense in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, like we say all the time on our account on Twitter, we we say. Guys like Damian Lillard, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. It's just the lights seem too bright in the playoffs, and that's why, you know, there's always this talk of who's going to be the MVP. We all know LeBron's the top. He can, you know, he's not in the front running this year, but I think, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. It's a different game in the playoffs, and um, I think, uh, yeah, I yeah, I, just, I guess I agree with everything you just said, but um, you, LeBron will always find a way to get playoffs you're right and um i don't know how far it's going to be this year but it'll definitely um it'll definitely be something to see i guess in the playoffs yeah i mean going off that what do you guys think is like a reasonable expectation for the lakers this season i mean for me i think 
maybe winning a playoff series, but really not much more than that. I just think that, you know, the internal issues in the locker room, you know, obviously with, with, the, uh, with the young guys is a problem that I really just don't think they're going to be able to fix. What do you guys think? Well, if they play a team like Denver, it would be really annoying for them to have to play the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. It will be a lot different. Imagine getting, going number two, being the number two seed or number three seed, and stuck playing LeBron in the first round. Right. <laughs> but the Lakers could feasibly beat a team like that. But they're not going to beat Golden State. No. They're probably not going to beat Houston. So it just depends on who they play. The seeding's going to be... I don't know if the seeding's going to really match the... It's another thing about the regular season. It doesn't really all the time match the, the top top eight. It's not really reflective. It's not a record. Right, well, because the Warriors uh, don't the necessarily seeding, yeah. care about the uh, regular season. Well, yeah, well, the, the Warriors are going to be the one seed, and that probably will be reflective of it. But I mean, the Nuggets being a number two seed, something like that, if that happened... Uh, They'd be a number two seed, and yet nobody would ever predict them to win the championship or even win the West. Right. So I think it really is reflective of who they're going to play. If they get the eight seed and they play the Warriors, they're going to lose. Uh, if they get the seven or six seed and they're playing a different team, um, one that they could beat because they have LeBron, then, um, then they can win. But they could anything could happen in the NBA playoffs you never really know what's going to happen but except for the fact that the Warriors are going to win <laughs> yeah that's, that's true so it's it's it, when, when the balance is kind of so off like that you, you know they could they could make the Western Conference semis uh, but if they did then what would that make things better that's not what they're going for in LA when they buy LeBron I guess for this season, the expectations weren't as high. But going into LeBron, going into LA, the expectations eventually would be to at least compete for the championship. And I don't think we can rule that out for at least the seasons coming up, not this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I those are all great points. Yeah, I agree. I just think, um, I just think they're supporting cast is the only yeah i guess it's their supporting cast the only thing that's kind of letting them down it's just the inconsistency i see um with you know his cast you know kuzma lonzo and ingram um i just don't know how well they're able to put it together and they haven't been to the playoffs before which is something new we'll see as well um so i guess we just have to see how they play it out but um yeah you're right it's lebron james at the end of the day he, he can kind of do anything he wants when he uh Gets in his groove. So yeah, let's let's think uh, back though to the you know the Cavs team that LeBron took to the finals last year. I mean, yeah, they were veteran players, but and I'm not the biggest fan of Ingram and Kuzma and you know Lonzo and those guys, but I think th- these guys possibly are more talented than the roster he had last year, and he took that to the finals. And you were pointing that out earlier that that's the East, uh, right? It's a different situation. Oh, yeah. When the playoffs come around, it's going to be different. People don't understand that. It's going to be a lot more intense, um, and it's just it's just a different ball game. So when and we always forget that each year, it's like because uh, that because the same thing with the Cleveland that they always would struggle at some point during the season, and there would be questions about the team, and then they 
come and they win the, the conference. Yeah. So, Keep in mind that, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, keep in mind that um, last year, and before we move on, uh, LeBron James had a completely different team the first half of the season, and they trade all those guys away a year ago at the deadline, and they found a way to get to the finals. So, you know, he can basically do anything. But um, let's move on. We'll get into uh, college football. I know you're a fan, Fred. So um, I want to get into a few things. One, early predictions for the college football season next year. Um but two, I want to talk about this Alabama-Clemson rival. So I go to the University of Alabama, and obviously I'm a massive fan. Heartbreaking loss a month ago. But um, I want to know your thoughts on these two teams being in the final, or in the championship, you know, last however many years. Uh, I think it's like four out of five, or three out of four. Um, is this ruining college football? And two, what do you think are the appropriate credentials to get into the playoff considering what Notre Dame just did six weeks ago, or not, not even two months ago? Well, I think, it's, first of all, I don't think it's ruining college football at all because it's just one game. By the whole season, college football season, especially if you're a college football junkie, it is it's amazing. It's just an incredible season. I don't, I don't think about it at all. About Alabama, I don't. I don't think about Alabama and Clemson playing until the last week, until they're scheduled to play. Throughout the entire season, all we think about is the great games that go on during those weeks. So, I mean, the passion and intensity of college football is unbelievable. Oh yeah, it's unbelievable. It's just, it's just, it's just. It, it, no two teams can ruin it by being in the finals every year. It's um, people say that. In the moment when the finals come around and they inevitably have these two teams, but yeah, it, 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 eventually it's cyclical. Eventually, there'll be another team in it, and um, so I think that there's no. It just to me, it doesn't ruin it at all. I, I have I, I watch college football the same no matter what. Um, in, in terms of in terms of the playoff with Notre Dame. It's, it's a flawed system. Anytime you have to pick four teams subjectively or objectively to play out of the rest to play and, they, and you choose them without any type of I guess without any type of objective uh, fully objective uh, criteria it's going to be flawed. And there's no way you can leave a team like Notre Dame out because um, because they, they're, I guess they're not a power five team, they're an independent team, but they're power five, like, similarity. And they, they went undefeated. And that's going to happen. Uh, yeah. I think teams like Georgia, I mean, like, you can't lose two games. And nothing's fair. You can't. I think people take a look at the teams that are in and they take a look at the teams that played and they make their own subjective determinations about who's better and there's absolutely no way of determining whether they were better. And it's, it doesn't make any sense because uh, everyone lives in the moment. So I think the criteria should always be um, you know, wins and, and who you play, combine that together. But if a team goes undefeated, and they're one of the Power Five teams. They should get. They have it. to be in. 
they have to be in. So I mean, you talk about fairness. No, it's not fair. The criteria is fair, and the schedules aren't fair. The lopsided. The whole thing's lopsided. It's unfair. So I mean, what are you going to do? Um, I mean, Georgia, you can't lose two games. Uh, why would a team that lost two games be the best team, most capable team of winning the title? I mean, there were two really good teams, but how does that make sense? Well, one thing you could do is expand the playoff system in general. I know there's been a lot of talks about yeah, that. And then obviously when you do that, there's going to be complaints about the 7th and 8th team. So like when you do it with the tournament, the NCAA tournament, it's the same thing. Um, so when you expand it, there's going to be... And, and, Expansion of the playoffs doesn't necessarily mean the best team's going to win either. In football, it's one game, so you can lose. You lose a game, you could be the better team. That's true. Yeah, that's the great thing about it. I just yeah. I have a problem with. I guess it's just the four. Yeah, and you made a good point. I mean, it's just it's a flawed system. I agree. It's just I don't know if you could have said that Notre Dame was one of the four best teams just because. They struggled against teams like Ball State, and they struggled against teams like, I think it was Indiana. They won by, like, eight points. It's like, yeah, they were undefeated, but their strength is, I mean, I guess you have to play the whole strength schedule thing, too, and it's like, I don't know, was Notre Dame better than Georgia? I mean, out of five times we played, I would say Georgia wins at least four. See, that's, four the that's, that, that's the whole subjectivity about it. Yeah, I know. We right? never know. So, so you have to use some objectiveness. You could use subjectivity, but you see, you see the upsets every week in college football. You say one team's going to be great, and then they're going to, they lose. Um, so the only way to make it even remotely fair is to have some sort of objective criteria. And I think one of the best objective criteria is if you win all your games, you should be in. It's like, yeah. uh, it, 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 but that's not fair because they played worse teams and they didn't play as well. Uh, but, um, at least there's something there to to hold your hat on. I mean, just to say, oh, well, Georgia looks great. They would beat them. Uh, but it's any it's given tough. day. Yeah, yeah, it's any given day. Um, the expanded um, eight. That's that's good. That's fine. But then, I mean, you're 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 making the playoff even. You're diluting the playoff in a sense of it's one game. So you could have an upset uh, between. The eight seed and the one seed that you never expected, and then you're going to end up with a with a you could have, you're, you're you're increasing the chances of a worse championship game. Yeah, I yeah I agree. I think honestly, just because college football is so big, maybe an eight team would just be more exciting because yeah. you know you will get those upsets, and people do love upsets. I mean, you're right; we see it in college football every week. We see it in yeah. NFL. Upsets are great, but then they dilute they dilute the finals. Like, I see the NCAA tournament all the time. Um, people get so excited when a uh, mid-major 14 seed or 15 seed beats a two. Yeah. But then that two, uh, who just had a bad game or didn't match up well against 15 seed, um, you're going to end up with, like, a, a nine seed or a 10 seed who's not as good in the, in the, in the grade eight final four. And that's when you start seeing the harm that the upsets do. Not that, not that I, I, I complain about the NCAA tournament. It's great. But no, I, I, I don't root for the upsets as much because I like to see the best teams playing again. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm personally pro-expansion to the eight-team eight system because, number one, like you guys were saying, the, the upset potential is definitely there. More games, more, more you know, potential for upsets. But also, I think the difference between, you know, the fourth best team and the fifth best team is a lot closer than maybe the eighth and ninth best team. I just feel like there's usually six or seven really good teams in college football, and I feel like once you get outside the top ten, it's just the level kind of drops off significantly, and I feel like maybe there will be a little bit less of a, a debate between an eighth and ninth spot if you did expand it to an yeah, eight-team system. that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I, I, I think there would be the same debate. I mean, I think there would be teams crying that they didn't get in. Always, of course. I mean, especially because cause writers nowadays sports any narrative, um, people jump on it like crazy. Yeah. So it's magnified to a high. And any, any, any team that didn't get in is going to be a narrative that people are going to jump on and it amplifies it. it whether it would be like the 64 seed in the NCAA tournament, or the uh, eight seed, it would be a big deal. But uh, nevertheless, people may say to themselves, by the end of the by the end of the tournament or the playoff, people would be uh, a lot have more peace of mind that those teams that didn't get in the eighteen or nineteen, the seventh and eighth team who squeezed in, no matter whether people thought they were good or not. People would have peace of mind that those teams would never have won the championship anyway. So the team that didn't get in wouldn't have won the championship, and the seventh and eighth team wouldn't have won the championship. So it would be more fair. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways you can put it. I, I think you're right, though. If you win all your games, you win your conference championship, you should be in. I don't think they're going to be expanding anytime soon. Um, which, I mean, I would like to see just to see how it works, but I guess we're just going to keep going how it is. It's just a flawed system at the end of the day, like you said. So, um, let's move on to college basketball, Nick. Yeah, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Duke because we all know how great they're playing this season. They had that insane comeback, beat Virginia a couple times. You know, Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett leading the pack could be first and second or first and third overall picks in the NBA draft. Guys, are they the guaranteed champions this year? Can we, like, already say they're the champions? Is this, like, a, a sort of once-in-a-lifetime college basketball team? Or can we see a potential upset down the horizon? Because, you know... As we know, it's Duke. They're, they're prone to upsets. Of course, you get the upsets. The, the NCAA tournament. You have to win six games. Um, it, the NCAA tournament does not crown the best team all the time. Right. Uh, it's uh, you, you can never say a team is guaranteed to win the title. But the case in point, the 2015 Kentucky team was by far the best team in that tournament. They lost a thriller overtime thriller to Wisconsin, the veteran Wisconsin team in the uh, Final Four. And it's not as if they weren't better than Wisconsin. It's just that it was just one game in basketball. I mean, even the best teams, you look at the NBA, you know, the Warriors lose uh, more than a handful of times. Uh, so, I mean, you just lose one game and you're out. You're never going to be crowned the best team. I mean, can you, 2015, Kentucky went undefeated the entire season, beating everybody. We had uh, Carl Anthony Towns, um, Harrison Brothers, Tyler Ewis, uh, um, Devin Booker, Trey Lyles. And um, they ran to a better Wisconsin team. And, uh, that's one another point that you don't see. In, in the NCAA tournament, you have these teams like, okay, so let's say Duke, their young team. 
veteran teams come in, teams who have players who have a little bit more uh, experience and playing in and played in more games, uh, they could use that experience to their advantage in a big game. A team like Tennessee is like that. Tennessee has a very, they look really, really good in their experience. And it doesn't necessarily mean, just, they don't really have best pro prospects. They have that Grant Williams kid. He's a tweeter. Probably one of the best players, if not the best player of the country. Yeah. But uh, I don't know necessarily he's a great pro prospect. But he's great in college. They all just put it all together. So teams like that are hard, hard to play. Um, you shoot bad one game, you lose. It's basketball. Just like, like I said, the Warriors lose over 15 games a year. Uh, you could lose one. Yeah, so you can't. There's no guaranteed chance. They look great. I like the Barrett kid even more than Zion. He seems he seems to be just as valuable as Zion. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a staying player. I've been watching a little bit of Duke. I'm not a big college basketball guy. I, I watch March Madness. I fill my bracket and stuff. But I mean, I saw that comeback the other night. I was like, yeah, this team's this team's got it down. And Zion Williamson's insane. What I want to get into is. Do you like the next LeBron comparison? I mean, we hear it all the time. Like, And I know you just said that like, R.J. Barry think he's more pro-ready. Um, do you think Zion would be a safe first overall pick or or not? I mean, he doesn't really have the best shot. So, um, yeah, what's your take on that, him being the next quote-unquote LeBron James? Well, to say he's the next LeBron James is unfair. I mean, God, LeBron wanted a universe type of guy. Exactly. All the hype and back to up and really kind of just, he's polarized and changed the entire league. You can't, it's just really an unfair thing to compare him to LeBron. I don't know if Zion's going to match his college hype, the pros, but what's he going to be? Is he going to be a dominant player? Or is he just going to be a great player? Fills his role and does amazing things to the floor um, for great highlights. Uh, as opposed to a guy who's, who kind of like takes over and is uh, can change the whole complexion of games. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. But it seems as if he's got insane athleticism for his size and if he's able to improve all the other parts of the game which seem to be able to it doesn't seem like a Ben Simmons situation it seems like he has a shot that he's not afraid to take yeah so uh, whether it's going to be that or the other I'm sure he's going to be great I, I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be great so and he's, in, that, in that sense he's a safe first round he's first pick of the draft if you know a guy's going to be really, really, really good, then it's a safe first pick. Now, the question is, is it a safe first pick or is it the best first pick? Yeah, there's... But you never know. It's so hard to tell. Yeah. But he'll be the first pick. It's going to... It's no... Because no GM is going it's not, to... He's going to pass it up. He can't pass it up, pass right. He can't do it. He can't do it. Exactly. So, uh... It, it's just unfortunate. I, I know the whole lottery thing, but, you know, if he goes to the Knicks and the Knicks are just... Dumpster fire right now. I just—it's just the NBA. Sometimes you see these players that go to these teams and they're so good in college, and you're like, "All right, well, 
I mean, you just saw Porzingis got dropped like fourth overall three years ago, and now he's not even on the Knicks anymore. It's just, it, it's uh, yeah. he'll probably be better in Dallas, but it, you just don't, you just don't know. And you don't know if he's going to be good in Dallas. Dallas hasn't been good in a while, and I know they got um, uh, Doncic, uh, who's playing outstanding. But then you don't know he's going to be next year. You know, there's always like, no one, like you said, it's so hard to be named the next LeBron because he just. It's, it's, it's unfair, exactly. The next, the next LeBron is going to be the next. He's going next to be a person. By, it, it, no, the next LeBron is going to be just a person within itself. You won't even have to compare yep. them to LeBron anymore. It'll be a, a totally different phenomenon. Uh, but uh, I think with um, let's just hope Zion is going to see it. Ah, exactly. I'm yeah. Uh, that would be a black hole for him, probably. Mm-hmm. Or Cleveland. You wouldn't want yeah, to be like Cleveland either. Cleveland's bad. Well, we'll go into, uh, we'll kind of carry it back to the NBA for uh, one more thing before we give you a little quiz. Um, we are a couple of people that really emphasize that we have this belief that the NBA is been kind of completely destroyed and on the other hand like on the opposite side you know college is one game in the playoffs and we just talked about that nba is seven games and i think anybody knows that nobody can beat the warriors in seven games at least i don't believe so and nick doesn't believe it either do you think for the last four years that and you know caps beat them that one time do you think they've somewhat destroyed the nba i mean you see so many teams that you know in the beginning of the year just aren't going to be able to contend, almost all of them, in my opinion, do you think the Warriors have ruined the league? Uh, do you think this is good? It's not. The playoffs are kind of boring when the Warriors win like they did last year. Yeah. But, well, I mean, even so, the series are great. A lot of the series are great. Like, well, okay, the playoffs well, the was awesome. And the series against the Rockets, like, people very plausibly have said that if Chris Paul played the final two games that they wouldn't have won the Warriors. It's very plausible to think that. I know. Um, it like the, seems like the Warriors get so lucky every year. Kawhi Leonard yeah, got so, the first game. Chris Paul right. got in. Draymond Green wasn't playing in game six of the finals. It's like, yeah, they always well, get lucky. <laughs> well, I mean, wouldn't that be unlucky? Yeah, oh, unlucky. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, well, like, they were lucky that they had that excuse, I guess, that Draymond Green wasn't playing in the sixth game of the finals. But yeah. I think that um, people like to look at it that way. But then you get to the playoffs. Playoffs are great. Uh, as long as it's not just like Warriors wiping through the entire playoffs. Playoffs are awesome. Um, we'd like to see a better finals, but uh, the, the first That's two Cavs Warriors finals were great. Just yeah. Until they got KD, right. Until they got KD, and that just totally ended the league totally essentially yeah. yeah but um i think that in the west look you have to believe that the warriors are just gonna beat a team that comes out of the east yeah but in the west it's not necessarily certain that they're gonna win uh i don't know about that they, they were down three two Last year. But this Rockets team is not the same, and I get that Chris Paul's been yeah. out for a while. I just don't feel like the Rockets have the same makeup that they did last year. And, and 
and like we were talking about earlier, like you said, you have these guys that change in the playoffs. You know, we'll like we'll poke at some players on Twitter and stuff, and you know, and we'll get comments back, and they're like, Damian Lillard's so good, but you know, or Russell Westbrook's so good, yet they lose to not teams like Houston or Golden State. They lose in yeah. five or six to the Utah Jazz. Or the Pelicans, are, right? Yeah, it's like, all right, well. I don't know. Well, like, you know that Portland's going to be like that. But, uh, I, yeah. You yeah, know, like KD, KD is just, God, he turns it up. He, yeah. He said, uh, but, yeah. I mean, I, I personally, to me, I live in Florida. I'm an East Coast guy. Yeah. I've always been an East Coast guy. LeBron going to LA really been annoying to me. Almost yeah. all the good teams are in the, in the West Coast. I barely ever get to see his game. Um, it's just too late. That's really annoying for me. Uh, I think it's a bigger deal to a lot of people, a chunk of people who watch the NBA from the East Coast. A much bigger deal than been talked about. Yeah. And he went to the West Coast. It's just hard for me. Um, I just, I'd rather have all the great teams in the East Coast. Uh, and everybody can watch. I mean, we're, we're both from L.A., um, and it's awesome that he's there. I mean, we, we're we the biggest LeBron. We love LeBron, and I was heartbroken when he left the Cavs. I just thought it was the wrong move because of what's exactly happening right now, just complete dysfunction. Yeah. And, you know, and we're in college now up in the South, and it's like, all right, uh, can't see LeBron play. Um, I mean, I've seen him a couple times play, but, yeah, it's tough. And all those – yeah, you're right. Those teams all on the West Coast are, you know, top of the – charts right now, so how did, I don't how know. Did from LA, how do you guys from LA just end up at the University of Alabama? What's that? How do you guys end up at the University of Alabama? Well, I go to I go to Tulane University in New Orleans, but uh, Brent, talk about how you ended up at Alabama. I mean, yeah, I, I, wanted, oh, I wanted to get out of LA for a little while because I, I love Southern California. I know I'm going to go back, but um, yeah. you know, I checked it out down here. It was just awesome. Yeah, I love is really they're really pushing out of state. I, I, I'm here from oh, it's, I'm from South Florida. It's more out of state than in state now. It's like fifty forty-seven. Yeah. It's crazy. Hey, I said South Florida. I drive by. There's an Alabama billboard, like yeah. trying to get people to go. And you know the fo- and the football helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely. Big time football. Yeah, it's yeah. a great time. I'm loving it down here. And yeah, Nick's sure. loving Tulane. I was in the SEC. I went to the University of Florida. Oh, there you go. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, Nick, you want to wrap it up with Fred? We got one more thing for you. Yeah, so uh, so Fred, we created a little bit of a game or kind of a quiz for you, considering you're the uh, the absolute king of freezing cold takes. Let's see <laughs> if right. you can um, let's see if you can identify who said some of the worst sports takes we've ever heard. You ready? All right. All right. So let's get into it. This analyst said in 2014 that Johnny Manziel would be bigger than LeBron James ever was in Cleveland. And you're, you're, that's, that's Skip Bayless. We didn't have to. We didn't even have to say the answer choices. Wow, this is a true yeah, no, king right I, here. I, I, I get that tag to me all the time. Yeah, <laughs> all that's the time. outrageous. Hundred percent, Skip All right, go ahead. Dang, we we're not even stumping you here. All right, hopefully this one will get you. All right, which analyst said prior to the divisional round that of that quote of the remaining QBs in the AFC, Tom Brady is dead last. I'd rather have Philip Rivers. I'd rather have Patrick that's Mahomes. That's Rob Parker. That's incorrect. Uh, okay. okay, I'll give you the answer choices now. Ready? 
Number one, Colin Cowherd. Number two, Max Kellerman. Three, Stephen A. Smith or Ramona Shelburne. Definitely not Ramona Shelburne. <laughs> I would never say that. Uh, um, Max Kellerman. It's Max Kellerman. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. You got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I jumped the gun and wrapped it up. Hey, Ron Parks would probably say that. Uh, well, he's definitely said something of the sort. Oh, yeah, <laughs> of course. Uh, that's his shtick. I mean, like, it's anti Brady yeah, all right, let's, let, let's move on to the third one. Which analyst said back in June of 2018 that they would, quote, take Kyrie and this Celtics group over LeBron with the same group of Celtics players? Your answer choices are Rob Parker, Dan Patrick, Dave Portnoy, or Bill Simmons? Uh, Portnoy seems a little bit too, it doesn't seem like... It doesn't seem hyperbolic enough importantly. Uh Bill Simmons could be Bill Simmons. Dan Patrick. Eh, no. What was the first one? Rob Parker. I don't know about Rob Parker talking about basketball. I'm gonna go Bill Simmons. Incorrect. It's Rob Parker. Oh. <laughs> you said it the one before, but you were just one question too yeah. early. Yeah, Rob Parker uh, with an incredibly horrible take there, guys. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, Fred, we want to thank you one more time. Really grateful to have you on. We really appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much. Enjoyed it. Uh, good luck in Cotton uh, College. Thank you very much. We appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, guys. Once again, that was Fred Siegel of Freezing Cold Takes. Uh, what a guy. That was awesome. Uh, we're really grateful to have him on. Uh, hopefully, he'll come on back again very soon. Yeah, that was great stuff. But uh, Brian, let's let's uh, let's jump into baseball for a minute, yeah? Yeah, sure. Well, that was talking baseball, guys. All right. Well, there we go. Let's move on. It's the time of that. It's the time of the podcast. It's it's our weekly awards, and um, we got a couple new ones. We got a couple veterans. Uh, but let's get right to it. <clears throat> First, worst sports media guy of the week. It's a classic. Right, it's a new classic choices. award. And we have five choices this week. It's a rarity uh, on our award show, our award segment, um, because we just found out who our least favorite person in sports is this week. So let's get right to it. Number one, Max Kellerman. I mean, he's a vet. He's classic. The worst. Uh, I mean, what else is there to say about Maxi? He's just the worst analyst in sports, and everything he says is just not really accurate, and it just pisses me off. Uh, number two, Nick Wright. I feel like this guy wakes up in the morning and says, I'm just going to open my mouth today about some stuff that nobody wants to hear and just piss and piss people off. <laughs> it's just, I feel like that's what he wants to say. He does. He does like love he, to do that. He does love a I good. I feel like he enjoys, I feel like he enjoys that. Yeah. Uh, he's just, yeah, he's, he's just not my favorite guy. And that's just my opinion. Number three, Tony Reale. All right. Tony, <laughs> I the love button pressing guy, but Mr. He, button presser. Yeah, Mr. Buttonfesser, he's got this funky hair going, my my half-shaved head. Uh, (laughs) Things, yeah, pressing buttons on a show, which is not anywhere near the best show on ESPN. Comes on at like 2 p.m. in the middle of the day, no one watches it. Yeah, you know, all the takes before on the the shows before are all that he's repeating. Um, Number four. Uh, Actually, we have four this week, my bad. Frank Isola, last but not least. Frank Isola. So a quick story about Frank Isola. We get into it. To just just get into it, Brian. Go for it. 
we decided to uh, kind of not chirp, but uh, yeah, chirp. We chirped him uh, on our account the other day, and we um, just said something like, hey, thanks for the obvious, Frank. Uh, two minutes later... Thanks for the meaningless tweet is what was said. Thanks for the meaningless tweet, uh, Frank Isola. Um, he then, an hour later, decided to block us. So, um, yeah, we. I guess that says enough. He also is on Around the Horn, which is the worst show on ESPN, which doesn't help his subpar resume. So that's our last. That's our last. I mean, we, me, and you literally triggered Frank Isola sitting in our rooms. That is pretty unbelievable. Yeah. So Frank Isola is not really our favorite guy. So uh, those are our nominees. It's a, it's a uh, great list of nominees. Thank you. I went to depth, so you can just choose, and then we'll move on. Who do you have? Man, we have a lot of great nominees here. Congrats to them all for you know getting involved in this award yeah it's an honor i'm i have to go with frank isola today um i just have to because of the fact that he literally blocked us on twitter because we said like two like things that he didn't like to hear he's probably at home sitting in his bed sitting in his bed like just blocking random accounts like are you is he that soft that he can't take criticism it's just pretty sad um he just yells really loud and, and says things, and that's why he's my worst sports media guy of the week for sure. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Nick Wright. I was just watching Nick Wright today. He was uh, over the phone on the herd with Colin, and, yeah, just the way he said everything he said just really pissed me yeah, off. Yeah, I, so que- I have a question. Who is Nick Wright even? Like, where, where did he come from? Dude, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's <laughs> unbelievable. Why do, we, why do we care about his opinion, really? Is my question. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, he seems like a nice guy, but in the sports world, I mean, it doesn't really... I just can't correlate with him in any way, shape, or form. Um, so, yeah, those are our uh, worst sports media guys of the week nominations and winners. And, by the way, a little preview for next week, Rob Parker will be a future permanent nominee. We are not fans of Rob Parker. I mean, this cool is guy. Correct. Can't confirm it. I, 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 cool guy, but sports world, I, I can't agree with him in any way. All right. Next up, USC Scrub of the Week. It's a veteran award, huge award, big honors. Uh, we got A, Sam Darnold. Classic. We just have him here for the pure fact that we just can't stand the he guy. Will always, he will always be a nominee in this category. He, he'll always be a nominee. He's the bottom five quarterback in the league. Probably won't change, at least in the next foreseeable future amount of years. Uh, pick six on his first throw to the Detroit Lions, blah, blah, blah. You know, you know the procedure by now. Number two, Cody Kessler. I don't. Nor do I think anybody knows where this man is in the current time. <laughs> where is Cody Kessler? I, I really couldn't tell you what what he's Number doing right three, now. Number three, Rosen. He's a bad basketball player. Classic. Can't go wrong there. And, um, yeah, those are our nominees. Three really strong nominees today. Um, I think I'm going to go with Cody Kessler this time, actually. Because I literally cannot tell you where he is. Is he still playing football? Is he still doing anything in his life? What's going on with him? Where does he live? I'm I, really I, not sure. I couldn't I tell you one the, thing about what Cody Kessler is doing I, right now. I know he took the starting job of Blake Bortles, who the Jacksonville Jaguars thought would be a good idea of drafting him. Um, but that's all I know. Since then, he probably got benched and then just kind of fell off the earth. That's very uh, typical that's, of USC QB. Okay. I'm going to go with DeMar DeRozan. Just because he's not a good basketball player, I just Toronto didn't want him. They traded him. They wanted a better player. 
it makes a lot and they of sense. got a better player, a hundred percent. They won that trade easily. So, Come on. I'm I'm going with uh, I'm going with Demar Derozan. I can't believe Sam Donald didn't win, but you know things. I know. I, I cannot believe it, but next week things for sure change, he's going to be a winner. Sam Donald does not ever change. He will always be a bona fide quarterback. And last but not least, a new award: worst sports city in America. Wow. Number one is Houston. Uh, Unreal. Not the biggest Houston fan. Just the Rockets. Oh yeah, they're really good. Yeah, that's cool. They're they're really good. Um, the Texans, famous wild card team, can't ever get out of it. Just like the Bengals. Um, yeah, there's just not much to say about Houston. I I don't know why they're. I mean, they have these massive, beautiful stadiums, and nothing ever happens in them. They just can't get past the wild card games, and James Harden will never win a ring. Number two, Milwaukee. Uh, Basically, I don't know where Milwaukee is, so that's why they're on there. (laughs) Uh, Jacksonville is our third choice. Uh, Jacksonville is the home of the Jaguars. We thought it was a good idea to draft Blake Bortles, like I said a minute ago. Quarterback from University of Central Florida, ladies and gentlemen. Central Florida. Then he got benched, like I just said, for Cody Kessler this year. Wait, wait, isn't UCF, aren't they the national champions? Oh, I, oh! Give me a break! Oh yeah! Are you kidding I mean. me? National champions yeah. of what? Losing to LSU in some irrelevant bowl game? Come on! <laughs> what was it like? The Tostitos Family Bowl or something like that? <laughs> oh, exactly! Just the most outrageous award, or outrageous yeah. bowl. And um, the Jacksonville Jaguars also thought it would be a good idea to put uh, massive pools in their um, in their stadium. Right. And since then, I don't think they've had one sold out game. So no, of course not. Come on! It didn't yeah. help. It didn't help them at all. They had a chance, and then Tom Brady ruined their chances with eight minutes to go in a game. So, there you go. As and then always. last but not least, uh, Phoenix. The Phoenix <laughs> Suns. Oh, come on. This is great. This is a great one. Um, Phoenix is just hot. It's dry. And, you know, I don't... Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I got. I mean, if you live there, I guess, and you're in high school or something, you ask your friends, hey, what do you want to do later? You guys want to go do something? And your friend probably would go, I'm down to go see the Suns play who are probably 6 and 55. At that point, wait, right. And then they go, oh, wait, you want to go to Talking Stick Resort Arena? I'm down. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. Oh, my God. That so, is that is outrageous. I've actually been to downtown Phoenix. I mean, the place is just a ghost town. It's just a terrible, terrible city for everything. I mean, much less sports. It's just a bad place. So um, those are our uh, nominees. Who do you got? I'm not even thinking about this one, you know, twice. I'm going with Phoenix, 100%. I've been to yeah. Phoenix, like I said. I mean, come on, Houston, they at least have a relevant team in the Astros. Milwaukee, the Bucks are playing well right now. Jacksonville is whatever. I mean, at least it's a you know, decent place to be in Florida. I'm going with Phoenix. It's just a terrible city. I mean, they have yeah. the Suns and the Cardinals, who are two of the worst franchises in sports right now. Yeah. I've got to go to Phoenix today. Literally, the Suns are in last place, and the Cardinals were in dead last this year in football. It's just not a good place to be right now. And uh, you know what? Anyway, that's, that's shape or form. Pick. If I had the ability to pick them, I would, but I'm going to go with Jacksonville. First of all, they're in the wrong part of Florida, so it's just the wrong part. Uh, South Florida is just better. I don't even know where Jacksonville <laughs> is, honestly. I don't know where it is. They have probably like five buildings, one of them being the stadium, and the Jaguars are like, I don't even know. Why are they a franchise? There's already two teams in Florida. Just, I don't, 
get it. It doesn't make any sense. So I'm going with Jacksonville this week just because I don't know what to say about him. And, uh, and yeah, that, that's, that's who I got. And that's our awards. And that's our awards this week, everyone. Um, last but not least, just want to say thank you one more time to Fred Siegel. Um, everyone go follow Will Takes Exposed, one of the best Twitter accounts out there. And uh, we will see you guys on Tuesday night. Thank you.